Okay, so welcome to another episode of the podcast, and I'm joined today by Dean Ahmed. How are you doing, bud? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on. How, how are you doing? Yeah, no worries. Yes, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. I'm uh, I'm definitely not as popular as you because you're the most recent apprentice candidate than me, mate. <laughs> well, that work, but um, you know what it's like. But, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. So. Um, yeah, so basically, me and Dean were just talking a little bit before the uh, before this podcast, and he let something slip that he should have been on my year. So, what, what's that all about, then, Dean? Yeah, I've mentioned it a couple of times here and there when people have asked. Um, so, I was meant to go on your year. What's so that's like season fourteen, I think. And then, um, yeah, got all the way, got off the place, and I was busy doing some exams, just sort of a complicated thing, and turned it down. Um, but obviously, then. That whole year, I mean, I had no guarantee or anything or any suggestion at all. Oh, oh so they didn't say, so they, they told you you got on, but then they said, you, you said, oh, you know, I want to defer it, but they didn't guarantee you the place in the next year. Exactly. So I basically got off the thing. Um, I basically wrote them an email saying, look, can I defer it? This is my, situa- this is my situation, etc." And they basically said no. Um, they literally didn't say contact or anything, which is fair enough, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I completely understand that. And so that whole year, I was sort of banking in my head that please. <laughs> and even when I got the call, I was like, in the second time, I was like, no way am I going to get this. It's just going to be karma and I'm going to get a reserve. <laughs> so you're pretty crazy, um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason, so I was pretty grateful. Too, right that's confidence right there yeah <laughs> i don't know about that but um it was uh it, i don't know it was weird i'll be honest though when that when your season came out because of that situation honestly for the first six seven weeks and especially when it got announced i just couldn't even watch it couldn't even look at it i didn't like seeing it just because it made me feel proper uncomfortable knowing that you know i turned down this opportunity what an amazing one it was and you know again just very humble and grateful that i managed to get it again yeah, no, without a doubt, man. It's um, it's certainly it's certainly a weird call because when I got mine, I was in I was in the office and uh, I can't remember who it was that called me up. It was like the executive producer or something, and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, Tom, I just want to have a chat with you. There's a few people in the room here, and uh, just let you know, like to let you know you got on the Apprentice." And I remember hearing it, and I was like, "Nah, man, they called the wrong person." <laughs> it's so it's so weird when you hear it isn't it it's so bizarre mate and I, I mean I think people can take it two different ways for me I almost sort of just didn't really know what to expect and and whatnot there's so much uncertainty around it um but you know you learn as you go on and yeah it's a crazy crazy process definitely man, definitely so before we get into that it would be good just to um get a bit of a background on yourself really kind of uh where you started in education and kind of how you aspired to where you got to, if that's all right. Always been the um, sort of young entrepreneur. Uh, I was that kid at school selling sweets at school. I remember going Dagnall Market in my first little venture as a, what, 13, maybe 12-year-old and buying a bunch of hats at the time, a snapback sort of an on-trend thing, buying them for £10, going to school, selling for 20 that sort of kid. Um, then about 15, 16, I founded the business, which I run now which is Fine Edge Cricket. It's an international sports management agency. So essentially we licensed sports agents uh, and we look after various guys across the world, South Africa, England, Pakistan, etc. Mainly in the cricket football. or? Yeah, mainly in the cricket world. And obviously, you know, thinking ahead, got my football license now and obviously that's in the, in the back of my head. 
Um, and then now launching something sort of completely different, never been done before by me. Never, no, you know, I've not got any experience in this industry, but going out sort of on a limb. Um, and it's basically called the Brunch Club London, uh, essentially hosting and uh, providing luxury brunches across central London, obviously post-corona. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, that's, that's a great idea, though. So the Brunch Club, is that, I mean, obviously we haven't talked about this, is that something that you deliver to kind of corporate clients or is it, do, they, do you host, uh, you know, yeah, a, a you? Well, I think it's more the, you know, the 20 to 30 year olds out in London, out and about, um, those people who enjoy brunches, obviously the brunch concept is one which is sort of slowly moving from, from places like where in Dubai they've done it really well, where it's almost in, ingrained into their culture. Um, and here, I'm just sort of, it's, you know, it's been done here and there, but I'm just sort of trying to do it to the next level and doing it properly. Um, so got all that ready to go, but obviously not launched it yet. and just waiting for the right time when we can host sort of medium to large events, which... You know, who knows, might be a long time away, but fingers crossed it's not. Um, so, yeah, that's in the, in the pipeline. It's a great idea, though. It really is, really is. And it, it, what's kind of the target market for that, then, Dean? Yeah, I'd say 20... Sorry, mate. Um, I'd right. say 20-year-old um, in London, both genders and sort of those people who are in and about London, enjoy going out and... As I said, the brunch concept here is so, you know, people are starting to love brunches. Boozy brunches is something they want to go to, just want to plan. And obviously, even more so, uh, you know, given what we've been through in the last um, sort of, what, five, six months now. Yeah, yeah. People are going to want to definitely get out there and socialise and make the most of it when this is up, without a doubt. Um, so, okay, so that's cool. So the cricket agency then, that you've got your football licence in now, um, you know, people not from a sports background, essentially, do you try and scout players and get them placements in uh, kind of, I don't know, top level clubs? Is that the point of it? Yeah, I mean, look, essentially, we look after mostly international guys who are playing for their country and we sort of look at them and see where we can add value, whether that's securing them more contracts or in the cricket world. Uh, a lot of the earnings that these guys get is through the T20 circuit. So, you know, making sure they playing not just in the right leagues and the right clubs but at the right prices uh, and then obviously on top of that um, just establishing their global footprint, global footprint sorry uh, by you know sponsors commercial staff etc etc so we've got a young lad now who sort of ex- is exciting for us just made the England squad um, and obviously England are meant to play next month uh, behind closed doors so yeah hoping for the best there and sort of um, excited for that one to look out for then one to, what's his name? And Lawrence, 22 year old um, from Essex, and yeah, very highly rated. Did well for the England Lions, which is like the England A team uh, in Australia. In the, yeah. In the uh, and, he's from, and he's from your local town, so there you go. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Yeah. Two, awesome. two and one. Um, so, one thing I was going to say then to do with these, to do with these athletes, um, you know, anyone that works with, you know, high end athletes is quite a privilege, really you know, because you're around the best of the best. It, is there something, the, a similarity that you see in athletes um, that you don't in the ordinary athlete, which kind of you think, oh man, every, you know, there's, there's certain a, a common theme or any, anything along those lines? Yeah, look, that's a great point. For me, and something I've especially noticed over the last maybe 18 months or so, um, look, you get 
there are so many athletes out there. If we take the cricket market, there's so many cricketers around the world, right? Um, but I know obviously everyone's going to be from a different personality, et cetera, and have different characteristics. But what I found is generally the top, top athletes, and I think this is a correlation probably between all sports, they just have this inner self-belief. And to the outside person, it, sometimes it can look like overconfidence, but I think there's a clear line between that. It's yeah. almost like, almost like a carefree nature that they, they back themselves so much that they're not going to over-critique and over-pressurise themselves. Um, so I've seen loads of different athletes and you, know, you can just tell there's a bit of hunger in them and it, it sort of just sets them aside from um, sort of the average job. But yeah, no, definitely. You know what? That's really interesting you said that because that's something that certainly from being on the show, I've realised about certain individuals is that you meet these people that have so much confidence in themselves. Don't get me wrong. They may be wrong and they may not have the ability. They think they may be totally wrong in the opinion and whatever activity you're doing, but they are so self-confident that it's actually infective. And um, that empowers them to become better at whatever they're doing or that situation. And I, I totally can totally understand um, that. And I think that, I think that you, you have to have that ingrained in you, don't you? Because it, when you're coming up against people that have a certain reputation, whether it be in sports or business, that are better than you, you know, they, they will, will without a doubt have insecurities, but you just have to have enough confidence in yourself in order to at least be seen in the room or at least be seen as a part of an expert or that you're going to make a difference in what you're doing. And, and I suppose that's what these athletes are doing, isn't it? Yeah. It's like this inner burning desire uh, where they can sometimes just get completely tunnel vision and regardless of all the noise outside, they just will be the ones who are, you know, first ones up in the morning, the last ones out at training or in the gym or whatever. And it, you know, sometimes it might go unnoticed or certain people think, um, maybe the way they carry themselves or from a playing perspective looks a bit like they don't care, but you know, inside they're the ones who care the most, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, okay, cool. So the other thing uh, that I was going to ask, how old are you now then, Dean? Uh, 21. I turned 21 in January. My days, you're only 21. <laughs> you talk as if you're about 29, mate. So really, how long has the agency been running? Um, look, I started it first when I was literally like 15, 16. Obviously, back then it was not, not you know, the best out there and it wasn't the most professional as any sort of young, of naive. Yeah. Okay. So, that, so that's like, yeah, like around six years ago. So if you, if you could go back to yourself when you were that age and uh, give yourself a bit of advice on, on what you've done already so that you could kind of further progress at a quicker rate, what do you reckon it would be? Um, a couple things. One probably being, uh, look, one, be smart with your money. Um, as I guess, look, it's normal to an extent with the, when you're that sort of age. But I remember any sort of money, especially being that young and comparing myself to my mates who are, you know, just doing their school stuff and, and whatnot. I used to just splash the cash, not thinking smartly, and you know, and a part of that, obviously, look, I don't regret it because it's sort of uh, I've made that mistake and learned. From, when I was 16, 17, rather than, you know, 10 years down the line. But yeah, if I could pass myself some sort of tips, I'd be, look, start saving, start investing uh, and think for the future. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then the other thing is probably just, again, just consistency. I remember, you know, certain um, instances happening. And again, with that, I definitely wouldn't regret or change anything because I think I've learned from them in every single way. But certain instances where I just think, 
if I thought, you know, continuing to just be consistent and back myself, that inner self-belief to go out there and continue doing my, you know, my services and believing that I'm the best when I actually am, then for sure, I, I think just continuing to do that would, uh, would have made me tend sort of tenfold to where I am today. Yeah, I, so much truth in that. I think um, because so many people start businesses and like the idea of doing businesses, but when it actually comes down to it, the elements and the morals that they need to make it effective and be effective in the marketplace, they tend to not have, and then they just kind of disintegrate into the hundreds of other people that are in that industry, don't they? So, yeah, I was going to say, everyone takes a, a big game. Everyone, you know, nowadays, being a businessman, being an entrepreneur, whatever you are in whatever industry, it's sort of on a pedestal. People love to, to talk about it. It's pretty cool to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously great, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. It's dangerous because, yeah, people think it's an easy life, you work for yourself, but it's pretty much the opposite. It's 10 times harder, 10 times more lonely, 10 times more risk-taking sort of thing. So you're right, people, when they realise that slowly, or very quickly, actually, in a way, then, you know, it hits home, I think, pretty quickly. Definitely, without a doubt. So you mentioned about consistency. So with getting momentum with the new business, um, I mean, I, I own a couple. I own a tree surgery firm which is what I kind of originally trained in, which we've got about 13 staff now in a property firm where essentially it's just a portfolio that we're building. And um, with the, with the tree surgery firm at the beginning, it was hard to get that momentum to actually progress quickly and find the, find the clients I wanted and the niche I wanted. I mean, what, what was it that you did with your agency that kind of gave gave a bit of momentum and kind of pushed it along that kind of broke past that point that people usually stop at. Yeah. Um, you're right. Actually people do stop very quickly because people realize there's so many players, there's so many agents, it's so saturated, but it is hard to get into it. It's hard to break that mold. Um, for me, I'd say again, a couple of things probably um, where I started so young, I had the opportunity to sort of make my mistakes early and sort of basically become the better, the best agent out there um, sort of very quickly. And rather than being, you know, obviously in that industry, agents are generally sort of ex-sports players or ex-lawyers, whatever it is, they're generally 40, 50. So where I'm making my mistakes when I'm 17, 18, it sort of gives me that competitive advantage. Uh, the other thing is, you know, sort of breaking the mould, I'd say, again, just going out there and almost like reinvesting in myself. So rather than sitting at home on my phone doing a deal and, you know, just letting it get executed. I would, you know, drive two hours down the road, you know, down the motorway or whatever it is um, to wherever and sort of just go that extra mile, the little one percenters, meet the, meet the client, meet the player and just, again, build relationships. I think that's one thing where, especially, you know, given the current climate we're sort of being disadvantaged from is that human contact is, I think, I think sort of develops. Definitely. Yeah. And sort of over the phone. And I think people use this new way of communicating that everyone's set up systems and processes to deal with remotely. I think people are going to use that as a bit of an excuse to neglect themselves more from social contact. Um, because initially, yeah, it looks like you're saving money and you're getting more done. There's less, less travel. But like you just said, that is such a key thing that actually meeting someone face to face and building that relationship with the right people will make a biggest difference. I mean, I, we've got a contract with a council, county council up uh, kind of in the Midlands. 
And I didn't bother doing Everyone gets lazy. I'll put my hands up. I got lazy and I didn't bother going up there. So for the first like two years of this contract, we didn't get any work. And then somehow it happened. I was at an event where one of the, one of the officers were there. And since then that contract has given us like over a hundred grand. And that is purely down to him seeing me and seeing that I was a genuine person and I wanted to do well for their council. Mm. And you, mate, you've literally hit, hit, the, uh, hit the nail on the head there. It's so true, isn't it? So true. In the business world, things happen in crazy ways. I've always been the believer, although there's no sort of hard proof of it, I always think, look, if you work hard, you work with good morals, you work for the long term, then I just think doors sort of open for you in the business world rather than most people who especially start out in business you know, chase that short buck or the short term and you know they think going from A to B is just going to be a straight line um, when obviously in business world in the business world it never is 100% 100% bud um, so one of the questions I thought would be uh, different to ask was how did you get on The Apprentice because like what what I found out when when I went through the process was that there was uh, I think 6,000 people got through to the weekend where you go in and meet someone like two, I think there was 2000 in London, 2000 in Birmingham and then 2000 in Manchester. Um, so when you consider that plus the like 400,000 that applied before, what do you reckon it was that, uh, they, they saw you amongst the crowds pretty much. And how, how did you actually get on the show? Um, yeah. So again, always been very entrepreneurial, as I said, always loved the show. And I thought, why not? What a better thing? What a better platform to sort of go on and, and showcase and enjoy Yeah. Uh, and went through there, you know, it's like all the different stages, sort of that myself. The first time obviously went around, you know, again, all element of unknown. The second time it was probably a lot easier given that I knew what was going to happen and knew what to expect. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You've had a test run. <laughs> sort of, um, all recognize her face and whatnot so that did help but um yeah just applied got on and it's probably similar to you when i got that phone call it was just crazy um crazy crazy feeling i didn't really know what to expect and i don't know about you mate but obviously i don't know what to tell people and stuff but you know i'll be the first to say what's such a big mouth so <laughs> yeah no don't worry i think most of us that get on the show are the same right <laughs> i think um it's weird. I was actually hung over when, when I, I didn't realize I got an invite to the weekend until the night before. Oh, right. Because, uh, it, I don't know, basically my secretary deleted the email. So I decided to go, but I, I drank that night and I didn't have a business plan. So I wrote it on a bit of paper on the way on the train up there. And I think because I was so blase and not bothered when you had a lot of people there that were so on edge, I think that's what helped me because I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to do me. And if it doesn't happen, it's all good. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. A lot of people there, I guess, are like sort of uh, on the edge of the toes, very, you know, thinking it's going to be very daunting and wanting to prove themselves. But I think for sure, this is the best opportunity to sort of think, be yourself and whatnot. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So what do you reckon the main thing was that you, you took from the show that you can use in your life? Um, I would probably say maybe like mental strength like in that process uh, people you know it's crazy right the environment they set you in and you know your mind I think whoever you are your mind does play games on you um, there I was literally you know I'm thinking oh if this happens what about this and all this sort of stuff. 
from that that crazy experience just mental learn sort of back myself keep it simple uh and again just back myself really yeah yeah because people people don't see that we have so much time where you just have to be sit there in silence and you can't keep the the kind of everything flowing i always used to talk i'm a chatty person you know i could never really follow those rules and so i'm sure (laughs) runners and whatnot were sort of giving feedback to production and whatnot they would probably always say that i was uh not listening to instructions and always talking and whatnot but you know it, it's crazy isn't it looking back on it i think about it now and again that like you know best part of two months experience was just crazy like yeah. ne- i'm so grateful for it i've never done anything like that no one ever really will unless you go on that and the people you meet the experiences and, and whatnot is pretty cool yeah, I know. And I think that's what life's about because I've had a few things in my life where it's been an extreme situation for a month or two. And um, whether it be traveling, living in another country or, you know, whatever, you know, certain things that come up in, in your work life or personal life. And I think that's what kind of makes life, though, isn't it? And if, if there's people out there that can't get on The Apprentice that want to have that experience of that extreme environment, that's where it's their responsibility just to find themselves in a new situation or with new contacts that can that can kind of make these things happen because it's all down it's all down to everyone making it happen for themselves isn't it for sure for sure and i look, i completely agree you know this life is probably for making core experiences doing you know interesting stuff and making the most of it sort of the opportunity we've got and whatnot but no great definitely i'm on the same page definitely man definitely so um just a couple of things to finish off then, Dean. So, so I want to know two things. One thing that you failed at in life that you'll put your hands up to and then another one of your greatest kind of achievements. Um, okay, interesting. So one thing I failed at, I'm sure there's always, there's definitely a fair few. For me, I think about failures. I was thinking, I was watching a podcast the other day actually and it was talking about as entrepreneurs, we should see failure failure as a win almost because every sort of loss we, we learn and whatnot from it. Um, I would say, look, if I'm going to give a particular example, uh, so one time I did a deal uh, in my business with one of these clients. He wasn't sort of, um, I didn't represent him, but it was sort of a free agent and I broke a deal with him. Uh, and again, basically it was the worst feeling I can ever explain literally confirm the deal all good going ahead it's been announced to the social media of the club like you know millions of followers people there's newspaper about it I've woken up the next day and it's sort of complicated to explain but essentially the players just said look I can't do the gig anymore no way and obviously that's my reputation everything on me as the agent who's doing a deal my all gone like is the, the pain so i remember literally i was i think i was in my economics class day and literally emailed one of the sort of um the league owners whatever and then basically shut my laptop turn my phone on airplane mode for a good two three days and i just didn't want to see read or think about it. again me doing that at 16 17 sort of enabled me to to learn and be structured in a better way um, yeah so that's that and then for the positive i would say you know again just start business young and where i've got it to now you know we're probably one of the leading sports management agencies especially in the cricket world uh, the clientele we've got the relationships we've built 
Um, and obviously, yeah, a bit doing it at my age, but yeah. 21 though, that's, that's an amazing achievement to get it to that standard. Most, most lads are just figuring out what kind of industry they want to go into at that age, let alone leading in, in, in it. Yeah, look, everyone's got different paths, right? Um, it doesn't matter when you start, it's just about actually starting. So, yeah. for sure, mate, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, definitely, bud. Well, um, no, thanks for coming on and thanks for giving a bit of insight into, you know, your life, the way that you've managed to make things happen and also The Apprentice. So that means that someone in my year was a reserve, right? <laughs> and no one, we heard that someone was a reserve, but no one admitted to it. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to have to do some thinking on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've start, you're going to start an argument in our uh, whatsapp chat i think <laughs> right all right man well um no i really appreciate it and um i'm sure i'll see you on a night out soon with the crew yeah thanks for having me on mate really appreciate that no worries